They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb up out the trenches, sit on benches, throw my time and come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flan bay, it's the open run. Service is the price we pay to occupy space on this planet. And whatever it is you do, it is always a team function, no matter what you believe. But it has to start somewhere. No matter how much advice you get from people, no matter how many great ideas they offer you, ultimately, the final decision is yours. And I want to welcome you to The Open Run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland at the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found. Never Cyclops, never I alone. I think about that as I think about William Jonathan Drayton Jr. You might know him better as Flavor Flav of Public Enemy, who just recently announced that he was one year sober. No drinks, no drugs, no anything. So salute to an icon in hip-hop culture. His role cannot be disputed. He is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer as a part of Public Enemy. So salute to him. And continue success, my guy. Also want to say congratulations to Kawhi Anthony Leonard. Now, Flavor Flav is much like myself, chronically loquacious, and a young man who no one would ever mistake for being chronically loquacious is Kawhi Anthony Leonard, who is dropping an album. I don't know if it's Seven Minutes of Silence or him just laughing, but actually I do know what it is. And it's a bunch of like newer, some of the newer artists. Okay, I'll admit that some of them, I haven't heard any of their music before, but they're of his era. So Kawhi's putting out an album called Culture Jam, I don't even know what label it's on. Probably Worcester. I don't know. Anyway, be on the lookout for that. I mean, when you're down and you have a knee injury and you don't know when you're coming back, what else does this do but make a rap album? I guess Kawhi is going to be like the DJ Khaled. We won't hear We The Best or any of that on any... I wonder if Kawhi was going to shout out someone or have a tag. Maybe it's Fun Guy, Fun Guy. No, that sounds bad. It sounds like mushrooms. It's not like Maybach music. You can't do that. But shouts out to Kawhi and Culture Jam. I'm not sure exactly when that drops, but speaking of culture, a couple of weeks ago, just over a month, a man who was generally considered to be the father of black exploitation filmmaking, Melvin Van Peebles, passed. And I didn't do anything to kind of honor that. As Last week's show passed, and I was really focused on the opening week of the NBA season. I was also reminded that another progenitor of the black exploitation arts, if you want to call it that, depending upon who you talk to, but Rudy Ray Moore's birthday was last week, opening day of the NBA season. 
I was very happy to see Eddie Murphy pick up the mantle and tell his story, to make sure his story was told in the way it should have been told, and what it took for him to become who he was, and what he did for his people and the people around him to help etch his place in a long line of black auteurs, black filmmakers such as Oscar Michaud, Gordon Parks, the aforementioned MVP, Melvin Van Peebles, Rudy himself, you can go anywhere from Spike Lee to John Singleton, Tyler Perry, Ava DuVernay, so many very talented black people and so many more who I did not announce, but blame my mind and not my heart. But Rudolph Frank Moore was a one of one. I was very happy to have had the opportunity to take Mr. Moore on tour while I was in university as a part of an event that I was doing with my company at the time that I had started my dorm room called Urban Art Marketing and Promotions. Had him on a comedy tour and I, I'm trying to tell you, he can make anything sound entertaining. He could read a menu and I'd laugh. His mannerisms, his voice, his spirit was so good to me. I mean, I was in tears the whole time. He had me cracking up. He told me about projects he was doing with <laughs> Luther Campbell. And he says, and I, I don't imitate him well, but close enough, I guess. He says, so, Will, uh, I'm going to be headed down to Miami and doing a project with Luke Campbell. You're familiar with Luke Campbell, are you not? Well, it's going to be called Dolomite Meets Captain Dick. And, I, and just the way he says it, may, I, I, I don't do it justice. But he was just a funny man. He was just, he had a spirit about him. And I appreciate the opportunity because I didn't understand him when I was growing up. At first, I thought it was raw and nasty and whatever, his party records as they called them because he had to record on the Chitlin circuit doing little rooms and the money he earned from making his or doing his appearances at these little clubs and making party records and recording his comedy albums at parties and at, at clubs and bars, then eventually recording them and putting them out. And all the money he earned from those party records, he put into making films. He's like, I see those guys doing it. I'll never be a movie star. I'll be the antithesis of a movie star. He was a portly, misshapen man if you want to call it that. But he was a black superhero. He was cool with what he looked like. In the words of the late, great Christopher George Latour Wallace, black, ashy, but classy. And that's what Rudy thought he was. I enjoyed what he did. I had a lot of fun with his ridiculous comedy. But it was fun. And he did it his way. And I want to honor him when I became the president of the Urban Music Association of Canada years after I took him on tour. But he was in failing health at the time. I want to give him an Independent Spirit Salute Award for his contributions to the cinema sphere. I was unable to. He passed shortly after that, but I never forgot it. I never forgot that spirit. I never forgot him feeling like he was one of one. Even though, again, as I said earlier, it's never Cyclops, it's never I alone. Much like the 75 players who were chosen, actually 76, there was a tie, but the 76 players who were chosen to be the top 75 at 75 for the NBA, and there were definitely, as always, with any subjective list, you're going to have issues, you're going to have people who disagree with the choices, you're going to have some snubs and surprises, and one of the snubs and surprises, I guess, to some people, at least to him, Clay Alexander Thompson tweeted recently that he thought he was the top 75 player of all time. Do his metrics support that? Three-time NBA champion, five-time NBA all-star, much like Reggie Miller. Just keep that in mind when I'm saying that. A two-time All-NBA third-teamer was named also to an NBA All-Defensive second team. Arguably one of the best defenders at the two-position in the league. Believed he was within that top 75. So his teammates trolled him. 
And they put a jersey in his locker. Now, Clay wears number 11, but they put number 77 in his locker. The 77th greatest player in NBA history, Clay Alexander Thompson. But there are some people who were left off this list. Now, I'm not going to announce all 75, but there are some guys that I look who were added, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if they should be there. But again, it's all subjective. Well, look at who did make the list. Walter Ray Allen has some questions. Has some questions. I can't lie. Anthony Davis has some questions. A little early, maybe. I don't know. Has some questions. I don't know if one championship can do it. Don't know. Guys who were left off before from the top 50 at 50, like Bob McAdoo and Jacques Dominique Wilkins, made the list. Congratulations to them. Paul Anthony Pierce. Hmm. I thought Jason Kidd could have been a cusp player. He made it. James Harden, also a cusp player. He made it. Chris Paul made it, but I knew he was going to be there. And we'll talk about Chris a little bit later in the program. Dennis Rodman made the list. I thought he should have made the top 50, but again, at the time, might have been a media thing. People didn't like him. Thought he was a flake. That'll come up in a second. Those are some of the names. The rest of the names are pretty unimpeachable. I mean, you know who was added. The hashtag was added. He who shan't be named. Wardell Stephen Curry II was also named to the list. Carmelo Anthony, who we'll talk about even later in the podcast, made this list. The man who proclaimed himself the only top 50 player to not play with another top 50 player during his career, even though he was grossly mistaken. My guy, Isaiah Lord Thomas III, who was already in the top 50 at 50, forgot about one Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal, who was named to the top 50 and 50 in 1997 in Cleveland. The late great Kobe Bryant wasn't yet Kobe in the National Basketball Association. As a matter of fact, he played backup to a multiple-time All-Star in Eddie Jones out of Temple University. But who was left off the list? Guys like Walt Bellamy, Grant Hill, questionable for me, Vincent Lamar Carter, Adrian Danley, Artis Gilmore, Penny Hardaway, Dikembe Mutombo, Tracy McGrady, mm, okay, Bernard King, mm. and most curiously, and most curiously, Dwight David Howard, who much like Rodman, was seen as a flick. It's probably still seen as a flick. People don't like him. They don't like his attitude. They don't like, but his numbers speak to the reason and rationale behind him being a distinct omission from this list. It's inexcusable to not have Dwight David Howard on this list. Inexcusable. I don't know if there's trouble in paradise already. When you see Anthony Davis shoving Dwight Howard in the midst of their long two-game winning strike. Frustrations early? There's some real expectations on these guys. Maybe they can handle it. They try to downplay it. But again, the same way that AD and Dwight Howard tried to downplay their kerfuffle on the bench. is the same way that the voters who voted for this will try and talk around excluding an NBA champion, eight-time NBA All-Star, five-time All-NBA first-teamer, an All-NBA second-teamer, a two-time All-NBA third-teamer, a three-time Defensive Player of the Year consecutively, four times All-Defensive first-team consecutively, an NBA All-Defensive second-team, All-NBA rookie-team, a five-time NBA rebounding leader, a two-time NBA blocks leader, the dunk champion in 2008. He didn't make the list? How? Voters are funny. Voters are funny. Agree? Disagree? If you feel like there's some people who have a case to be in the top 75, whether it be Clay Alexander Thompson, Grant Henry Hill, Anthony Penny Hardaway, whoever it is, 
or even Dwight David Howard II. Let us know. Hit me on my social media networks. You know what to do. And you also know to come back for more on the podcast where basketball and life are one. It's the Open Run with Will Strickland. Back giving you more of what you asked for is the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with my very special guest, my man, Mike Harge, a.k.a. Hardball Harge of the Harge Knock Life. Rep it, because you turned it around. You may as well go ahead and rep it. My brother, my family, my man, what's good, Mike? Man, it's amazing to be talking to you, my brother. It's been a minute since we kicked it. I got a chance to run into you and talk to you break bread with you. I'm just excited to be on your show, man. Thanks for having well, me. I want people to see your handsome face, sir, and your your, your <laughs> brim is kind of covering it up. Let them know. <laughs> you know, let yeah, them know yeah, what it yeah. is. Yeah, it is what it is. It's, it's popping. What's happening? Yeah, you, you good. You good right there. But um, as I do with each one of my guests that comes on, and so if you would, please run your resume, sir. You can, if you wanted to, start as an Ellison Eagle. If oh, you yeah. wanted to, you fly high, baby. You fly high with me. <laughs> the funny thing is, Will, I, I always think about this. Like coming back from football my freshman year, I'm playing on the JV for basketball. And then we get ready to go to the playoffs. And you guys are leading us to the playoffs. And I end up playing point guard, backup point guard to our man, Jason Hooten. And every time I think about this, I was like, man, we have some ballers in Colleen and Fort Hood, from Fort Hood and Colleen and both schools. And at that time, we only had two schools. So now it's, you know, they got five, six schools in the area. So it's kind of watered down. Still a lot of great athletes, but it was a lot of fun at Ellison, man, running it back with you guys. And then obviously, you know, I played uh, football in high school, had a bunch of scholarship offers that way. Decided to go the baseball route. Got drafted out of high school in the second round um, by the Montreal Expos. Played 13 years of pro ball. And, you know, it got to a point where I wasn't going to the big leagues and staying in the big leagues and getting all that stuff. So it started to get to that point where it was like, all right, I'm going to get to a certain age and then I'm off to shut it down. So I came back home to Texas and, uh, Basically, I started a baseball academy, did a lot of baseball academy stuff. Then I got into the healthcare field, and then I got into the uh, radio, got into the radio world, podcasting, and now doing some color analyst in baseball, football, and some basketball, too. And I know you're going to love some basketball, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Well, you you say it's so casual, like you like you didn't work for iHeartRadio. Like you're I was just sitting <laughs> in my house, you know, talking about sports and just so happened to be on the radio. Like you you had a run for sure. And you're doing your thing right now as well. And, you know, you're a big baseball guy. I used to be a baseball guy back in the day. My grandmother, right. blessed that she really got me into baseball. And I was also proud of you, man, when you, you made the expos and like you see the pictures and everything. Like, I know that cat. And yeah. um, for those who don't know, the Montreal Expos are now the Washington Nationals. Correct. For those who don't know. For those who don't know, now you know. <laughs> no, you know. But yeah. uh, 
Tell me a little bit about the station you're on down there. Okay. So I am with iHeartRadio. I'm on a show called The Sports Grind with my man Calvin Casey and Jonas Clark, our producer, and, and Sam Ferris behind the ones and twos. But The Sports Grind is an independent. Uh, we're, we're independent. So we get to go and, and shop our, our show around the country anywhere we want to. Calvin's been in the game for a long time, and, and he set this precedent for himself. But I used to be on a mor- morning show here in Austin on iHeart. Uh, it was called The Bottom Line. And my man Chip Brown, who a lot of people may know Chip from his days as a reporter with, covering the University of Texas, but Chip also is deeper than that because he went to SMU. Shout out to Brian Berry. He went to SMU mm-hmm. and he did his thing on the journalistic side of it. And he used to cover, he covered David Koresh and uh, uh, Branch Davidian situation. He's mm-hmm. traveled oh, yeah. all up. Yeah, he's done a lot of different things away from sports. Then he got into the sports realm. Um, I was blessed to be on the air with him. Unfortunately, the, my predecessor, Sean Adams, passed away from a sudden heart attack out of the blue. Mm. And um, I ended up replacing Sean for the for the next three years. And now I'm headed into another venture with my man, Calvin Casey, still on iHeart, but I'm on two stations now instead of one. I'm on AM 1300, the zone in Austin, and I'm on the ticket 760 in San Antonio. So I'm grinding, man. You know, I'm grinding, bro. No, 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 no. We're going to change the nomenclature, sir. You're not. Listen, just work in the words of that immortal Negro poet. Fonte Lashad Coleman. I think I know who you're going with. Just work. Just work. Because well-oiled machines don't grind. Okay. Hello. I like that. Okay. I like that. There will always be bars here, sir. Always be bars. 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 I got you. (laughs) Speaking of bars, you know, the bars are going to be filled with Astro fans getting ready for the World Series. Again, being a big baseball guy, give me just real quick what – the breakdown of the World Series. Man, this is this is one of my favorite ones. Not only is are the Astros one of my, my teams that I like to follow, and Jordan Alvarez is one of my favorite players in the game. Young Cat, I got a chance to call some of his games when he was playing for the Round Rock Express and AAA. A lot of these guys, Kyle Tucker was a 30-30 guy in the Pacific Coast League, and it's like, dang, these dudes were balling it. And because of the fact that I, I, I understand the game, I can appreciate when I see a lot of talent, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm watching these guys perform, I'm like, man, the level that these guys are performing at right now is the ultimate goal. Kids, you as a kid, you know, you said you had a love for baseball. You know, what about this baseball game? And every kid dreams about playing in the World Series. So now everybody gets to realize their dreams. But another thing is, my mother is a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Huge. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we were we were texting back and forth and talking about the game. I tried to get her. I was like, "Hey, mom, you want to go to the World Series? I'll take you to the World Series." She's like, "You know, I want to watch it on my TV." And you know, I'm mm. like, "Mom, it, it, this is your team, I, and it, and they're going against my team. So let's go ahead and go to this thing." She was, Wait, do you <laughs> trash talk your mother, Mike? Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, no doubt. She trash talked me. She right, right. I can feel that energy. I can feel that energy. But back to this this matchup, what I look at is this team, both teams are on fire. They are playing mm-hmm. unbelievable baseball. But the, the edge to me 
for the Braves is their pitching staff. The Braves have mm-hmm. a solid pitching staff. They got uh, Charlie Morton that's there who's gone through the battles, played so he knows a little bit about how they operate and what goes on. But if you look at player for player, you got to give it to the Astros at the end mm. of the day. Player for player, position by position, there's only a few positions that the Braves would – you would look at the numbers and say, okay, they have the better squad. I think mm. this is going to be a fun series. I'm really excited for Dusty Baker. Right. You know, the OG is out there doing his thing. And, mm. you know, Dusty Baker is – I don't know if you understand this, and you probably know this, Will, because you're knowledgeable about a lot of things. When you look at what Dusty Baker went through, when he made the big That's leagues, right. he was on deck. He was on deck when Hank Aaron hit 715. With all those around the thing, him going through the entire learning process of segregation and being able to represent who he is, still with the toothpick, still with the wristbands my man got he had a uh a mask the other day i thought he was going hunting he had that right. mask out so smooth but he's still the real guy and i really hope for his career i i think he's credentialed he's stamped he's certified but i think looking at what he's going through and the opportunity for him to win a world series championship with a team like the houston astros who's been scrutinized up and down cheaters all this other stuff and for them to be back for the third time in five years this is a beautiful thing it is and i will say this and this is going to be one of those you know kill two birds with one stone things yep come on dusty baker winning a championship icing on the cake but it also erases some of the stigma around the cheating allegations and what they did do because okay we got we got clean Right. Baseball, by and large, has always been some degree of dirty, whether you talk about from time immemorial. So let's not act like it's brand new. (laughs) The fact that people didn't want Dusty Baker there. Correct. That he got this team to this point, and if they go on to win it, this amount of stuff like you talk about, being able to overcome all of that, and also the narrative changes on the Astros. Yes. There are a bunch of memes out there that you see the the Atlanta logo, the, the big A, and yeah. then you see an asterisk next to Houston. Oh, right? yeah. oh, I've yeah. seen those memes. I think this eliminates that. I think it shows that for the most part, they still have their basic core together from the last time they won them. Right. right? For sure. For sure. And, when you, and to your point about what you said right there, and that's what I, I, the only reason why I cut you off right there is because the conversation and the narrative has to change it has to because i don't care if you're cheating or not cheating to be there three out of the last five times and to be what a couple outs away from being in the championship game last year right i mean mean, the championship world series last year man look it's the talent talent is managed and and manipulated to put them in the best positions to win right yeah and I would say in this situation as I've transitioned because this is basketball now and you were the point guard, I'm pass it off to you and talk about Benjamin David Simmons and the saga that's going on in Philadelphia with him, that he was suspended, didn't want to participate in practice the other day. There's a thing now they're saying it's a mental health issue and that's a slippery slope because you can't really question it. Right. But at the same time, the Sixers knew 
that the work that the, the job was hard when they took it, didn't they? I mean, they saw the scouting report. They knew who he was when he got there, right? His scouting report in college said, and I'll I'll, I'll quote this. All right, this is from Jonathan Giveney, who was doing. He's one of the biggest scouts in the world. Simmons' lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who know him say he needs things that revolve around him on and off the court, and he's often been closed-minded to coaching or instruction. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to slander the young man, but he is who he is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, where's Dennis Green when you need him? He's right. exactly who we thought he was, <laughs> and we let him off the hook. Bless the dead old Denny. Bless the dead old Denny. Exactly. So you sit here, and, and, and this, you don't really want to slander anybody because we don't know exactly what's going on. But from the surface and the reports and that quote-unquote allegations of what we have seen and heard, this dude just don't want to be in Philly no more. And and we talked about this the other day on the show. Is it to the point now that these athletes are now trying to be Antonio Brown? Are they trying to be James Harden, wanting to get themselves out of places so bad that they will do anything to mess it up? But my mm. biggest question to you, my brother, mm. and again, you, you you are cerebral, so I want to ask you this question. Why, when does it become conduct detrimental to where these players start losing money? Well, that's a, a thing about having a strong union like the MBPA. Right. The fact that these guys have guaranteed contracts. Oof. I would guarantee you their behavior, like Antonio Brown is different. You know, I can say that a guy like Antonio Brown just doesn't really care, but that he found someone who cared enough about him and also cared enough about winning to say, I will babysit him. Unlike Joel Embiid, who's like, I'm not babysitting this guy. I'm tired of talking about this man. We're going to go with what we have right now. If he's here, he's here. If he's not, he's not. And I understand that just like Ben Simmons has an obligation to himself and what he wants for his career. So the other 14 guys in that roster, everyone in that training staff, the coaching staff, the front office, and the fans, they have an obligation to do what they feel is best for them as well. I mean, that's kind of like the same thing with Kyrie. He has supporters outside of Barclays Center saying that he has every right, and he does. I will fight for his right to choose whatever he wants to choose, but I'll also fight for the right for the Philadelphia 76ers to move on and the Brooklyn Nets to move on when they want to because they have an obligation to their fan base, their bottom line. Right. Whatever Kyrie's obligation is to himself or whatever his cause is, so be it. Congratulations, strong J, strong J. <laughs> right but, but, you know, again, you look at these guys, you think about how great they could be. Kobe Bryant, blessed dead, said that if Ben Simmons ever got a jump shot, he'd be, on, he'd be LeBron 2.0. All right, sorry. I mean, Diane, come on, man. Sorry, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I'm sorry, Mike, 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 I'm sorry. I have to apologize to you. I'm not allowed to say his name on the show. I have to refer to him because of the emotions that guys get made yeah, yeah, get yeah, about yeah. his name. Yes, you know, the emotions around his name. So we have christened him with the hashtag, he who shan't be named. Okay, okay, I like that. You know, we want to, you know, spare some feelings. Guys get a little moist as a result. You know, <laughs> um, or some tissues in, in, that, in that regard. But it's this is not about him. Yes. It's just that when we look at these situation circumstances and we look at the 75 players or 76, because there was a tie, 
were chosen to be the top 75 players of all time. I don't know if you had an opportunity to check that out, but if you did, what I'd like to get from you before we get out of here is your starting five from the top 75 players of all time by position, sir. <laughs> this is tough. This is tough. You sprung this one on me. All right, my starting point guard, Nate Tiny Archibald. Wow, talk to me about it. Oh my gosh. I mean, do we have to? My man well, has so again. Much you have to. Man. You have to. You have to remember where we are. Yes, and then yes, there yes. may be some young people who don't know. Yeah, Nate Tiny Archibald was somebody that he personified the point guard position. He was the one that could fill it up, but most importantly, he got everybody else involved. That's what a true point guard was about. Magic mm. changed it when he came into the league, but Tiny Archibald was somebody that he was he was ooh, he was so cold with it. Especially and see a guy like you who play quarterback, so you're the same decision making guy who can score if you needed to because you use your legs, you use your arm. Yeah. Same thing with Tiny Archibald when you play basketball as well. Same idea, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so what most people don't know is that the first and only person to ever lead the league in scoring and assist was Nathaniel. Hello? That's what you have to call him down south. Nathaniel. That's what I call Nate McMillan. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. So Nate Tiny Archibald is your point. Yeah, two guard. Archibald, I already kind of know who your two guard is going to be. I mean, come on, man. You already know who it is. Why we even got to talk Kobe? about Michael Jeffrey? Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were going to say Kobe. Why are we going to talk about Michael Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> we come from that era, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. That's who, that's who I saw as my two. Okay. My three. Oof. I think I'll put I'll, – I'll put – man, that's a tough one, man. I was going to say I would put LeBron at a three. Pardon me? I, 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 I will, oh, excuse me. He shan't be named. <laughs> he, he who shan't be named. He who shan't be named will be right. my three. Okay. Uh, my four will be Tim Duncan. The, the great Timothy the Theodore Duncan. Yeah, the, the great fundamental. Mm -hmm. And here's where it gets kind of hectic because mm. – what are we looking for? Are we looking for the defensive side? This is your of it? squad, champ. Yeah. This is your squad. Yeah, if you're looking for the defensive slide side of it, you're looking for the pure dominance. Are you looking for what era can you play in? Because obviously Kareem, obviously Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Shaquille O'Neal would be, all be in that mix. So can I, can I throw another name out there for you just to, to mess with a little real quick? You know, um, from Lagos, Nigeria. All right. Hakeem Abdul Elijah on both sides of the ball. Right. That's what I'm saying. So when you look at that position and what it personified during that time, because right now you can't find one like that. Right? But still, you no, no, he's a one of one. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah. There's no other player in the history of the game, not just a center, right? Who is top 15 in scoring, rebounding block shots mm. and steals as mm. a center right no one else but him yeah so when you say it like that you know what i'm saying <laughs> the kind of, i'm I mean, sorry I, I led you mike i'm sorry that's no, that's wrong no, of me to do that no it's not because the way that it's presented like i said well again how do we know how are we looking at it? we looking at defense and then people gonna give me crap because i left kobe off or i left this because it's like we talked about this the other day, you and I even talked about it. it's all subjective, bro. Yes, sir. 
It's all subjective. So what you said, and this is what I will tell other people, it's my list. It ain't true. Right. It's mine. So for me, put put Shaq on that thing. Okay. You're going to go with Shaquille yeah, Rashawn yeah. O'Neal? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with him. San Antonio. You know, San Antonio Cole. Cole High School. Yeah, we went to Cole, you know, back then. So yeah, I'm I'm with I'm, that's my squad. That's what I'm rolling with. I know I'm people th- gonna be like tiny Archibald. No, 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 don't Go don't don't you. look. Hey, don't moonwalk on your team. Mine. Let the yeah exactly. Mine. So I'm I'm gonna let you know right now on the strength that a funny thing about Shaquille O'Neal is that when he was in high school, he played an All Star game, and I was actually keeping the score in the books or whatever is a high school All Star game. If you say the names Matt Winstrom. And Rodney Odom to him, watch his face. Really? Because they were ranked higher than him in some early rankings. They were. I think Matt was going to North Carolina. Rodney was going to US, um, UCLA. Ended up not staying at UCLA. Ended up going to, like, North Carolina, Charlotte eventually. Okay. Neither one of them panned out um, in a big way. But Shaq will never forget the slight. Because <laughs> they had him ranked behind those two. Yeah. And every time I see him, every time I talk to him, I'm like, Man, I don't know, dog. I mean, you nice, but Matt Winstrom and Rodney Oldman. <laughs> Just a teaser, but yeah, yeah. I, I can't tease you, man. I appreciate you coming on. Let them know where they can find you, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Harbaugh Harge on f- Facebook. Obviously, it's going to be Mike Harbaugh Harge. You can find me every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 Central Time on iHeart Radio app, AM 1300 The Zone, uh, or Ticket 760 is called The Sports Grind. And you can find me wherever you get your podcast, The Harge Knocks Life. And hopefully you'll be finding me on TV here soon with a bunch of things that I got popping here pretty soon, my brother. Well, well just don't, don't, forget, the, don't good, forget the bro. little people. Don't forget hey, the little people. Hey, you're the one who set the trend for us, brother. You laid the foundation. We're just trying to follow. Hey, man, I love you and I love you, man. appreciate you. Respect. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic of the speaker in conversation with my other special guest, Brian Barry. Now, you might not know who he is just yet, but you're about to find out. So, sir, if you would, please, what's going on, Brian? Hey, brother. Doing good, man. How about yourself? Trying to maintain daily operation, you know, as I did with your old high school quarterback, Mike Harge, who was on with us a little while ago. I'm going to ask you to do the same and run your resume. You can start at Colleen Ellison High School. You can go to SNU. Talk to us about your career, sir. Oh, well, uh, I had a successful career, no question. Um, athletic career and business career. So, uh, you know, I, I have a, some positive things I can teach young fellas and young people and you know, you just got to keep trying. Don't never quit. That's All right, motivational speaker, tell us where you started. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, football was my thing. And, right. Uh, so, you know, I played a little college ball, little pro, and got banged up. So, uh, you know, I know all about all injuries, blowing knees and blowing hips and back problems. And, you know, you, know, you just got to keep fighting like a, like a warrior. No doubt. So you went to SMU, wide receiver at SMU. Yeah, 
Yeah. But uh, you you have a little claim to fame on the cinematic side. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've, I've been in the movies, and um, you know I'm in. We're not I'm talking about the personal movies. We're talking about tell us about the real movies, not the personal ones. We don't want to see them. We want to hear about them. Well, I have been in a movie with with Oliver Stone. Um, he played. He made a, a, a hundred million dollar motion picture here in Dallas, uh, with starring Jamie Foxx and, and LL Cool J and uh, all kinds of celebrities. Lawrence Taylor and you know just the, the Godfather, just the Godfather. Yeah. yeah, just some Godfathers in the game. Terry Lawrence was out there. Al Pacino. Uh, Pacino. Uh, Chino, that was my buddy there, man. I, I appreciate now, for it. those who don't know what movie to which you are referring, would you please share with them, sir? <laughs> Any given Sunday, um, me and several friends of mine were in the movie. Uh, shout out to my SMU buddy. Uh, we had to, you had to play a little pro ball, and you had to go and, and work out to, to get picked up. So we got picked up and got to be part of the team. So... You're on Miami Shark, huh? Miami Shark, yeah. So it was it was good fun, good memories. Um, some of my fondest memories were with hanging with Pacino and hanging with, with Mr. Jim Brown. I would take advice from those guys. And, hey, you know, you take advice from the greatest. You just try to be great, too. So you're on the set with Willie Beeman, a.k.a. Jamie Foxx, and with Shark LeVay, a.k.a. arguably a top five all-time player in the game of football, period, Lawrence Taylor. But also Bill Bellamy and, and cats like that, and LL Cool J. Guys who are not football players. You know, you got Terrell Owens out there. Did you ever get physical with any of those guys? Oh yeah, everybody played, man. They got out there and, and banged heads. You know, it was real football. So yeah, I was proud of those actors playing real football. You know, and and you know, football players were being football players. We were out there competing. So how'd you get that I role? Audition, you know. And uh, me and several of my friends and went out there and, and made the team. So, mm. uh, yeah, it was an experience. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. Um, something to always remember. Um, I remember a few things that Al Pacino taught me, a few things Jim Brown taught me that's going to last for me. So mm. uh, they would they would talk to me like I was the young, young buck around them. And I was just soaking it up like a sponge, you know. And uh, they were good, um, God-fearing men that just steered you in the right direction if you asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, did you, were you able to apply any of that stuff you learned from them in your own life in different ways, whether it be in business or in, in, in uh, schooling, some other people you were working with? Because for a while, you were a sports agent. You were working with the Cowboys and with a couple of players as well, no? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, got into the agent thing. I'm still kind of dabbling in it a little bit. And uh, me and my buddy, John Biggins. And so, yeah, uh, we helped a few players and we enjoy giving back. Enjoy, um, uh, it kind of brings you closer to the game. You know, when you, you know, you can be close to it any kind of way you can. So that's how we gave back. Are we about to give back to the world with our buddy cop show? Where I'm like the city hey, cop who comes down to Dallas and you show me the ropes. Look, let me tell you, you know, all you got to do, you got to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, no, ma'am. Sir, yes, ma'am. Yeah, there you go. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Keep, do I have keep, to tip my hat? Tip your hat. Keep keep your manners good and, and, and spend time around your horse and your, and your cows. Now, you're going to be on the horse. I'm going to be in some Jordans or some LeBrons. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't say that name on the show. Or he who shed me names on my feet. 
something fresh as always in avoiding the horse doo-doo as I, really? I you know I, I have to have like a ill car in our buddy cop movie where I come down or a cop show I think we're gonna make this real hey you know I, I, I do like a couple of these shows I, I stay glued every now and again so I know you love those crime shows but the real crime would be if we didn't know if you could hoop or not. Because this is a basketball show. I was talking a little baseball with Mike Hards, talking a little football with you. But could you hoop? You know what? Um, I had a nice shot. I had a nice shot. Um, that basketball is tough. You know, you can, you, can, you can grow up out there on that hard floor. Mm -hmm. It's just It hurts just as bad as a linebacker. Mm, you think so? Yeah. All right, well, let me ask you this. If you had an opportunity, because it is the 75th year and the 75th anniversary of the NBA, if you had an opportunity to play one-on-one -on -one against any player in the history of the game, no matter how well you could play or not, who would it be and why? I gotta say, I'll try to. I would try to back. I would try to uh, score one on Michael Jordan, just to tell my kids, <laughs> yeah, score one on that boy. He ain't, he ain't nothing. <laughs> Well, let them know where they can find you, Papa Doe. Brian Barry, let them know where they can find you online, man. Hey, we, we're at, uh, hey, man, just give me a call. Call me through my boy. That's how you do that. <laughs> I appreciate you and love you, man. Love you too, dog. Be easy. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank my very, very special guest, Mike Hardbald Harge. Is the Harge Knock Life on the podcast today, or at least it was. And also, my mellow, my man, Brian Berry, hanging out with Shark LeVay and Willie Beeman, and also with yours truly, Wall Street Will Strickland. And now on to the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Salute to Jonas Christ Superstar. Jonas Valanciunas signing a two-year, $30 million extension there in New Orleans, coming off his best statistical year in his career in the NBA. 17 points, 12 rebounds, and 59% shooting from the field. And he did all that in 28 minutes a game. He was third in the league in double-doubles of 49. He earned that. I don't know what to say about this situation with Marvin Bagley III up there in Sacramento. Maybe I'll get... No, he can't talk about it. I was going to talk about it. Coach Roy Bobby Randa, but of course he can't speak on the player's existing situation as he's the coach there. But I think Jeff Schwartz, who is Marvin's agent, totally destroyed the Sacramento front office for taking Marvin out of the starting lineup. If you're being taken out of the starting lineup for a Luke Walton-led team in Sacramento, are there more issues than just trying to trade you and your whatever value they can get for you in your contract? I'm not sure, but it's got to be something. I would feel bad if this is just about the young man, a culture clash or a cultural clash because, you know, he raps. I don't, I'm pretty sure he's better than Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi even raps, but again, that's a whole nother story. But DNPs, did not plays, lots of them are imminent along with a trade for whatever value they can get. Maybe they package him up. Maybe he's a part of a three-way trade. Who knows? But Marvin Bagley's days in Sacramento are done. That doesn't sound right. That's normally the place where careers go to die. But they're optimistic about my guy. 
and I'll talk about him in a little bit. Shouts out to Ennis Cantor. He likes to fight the power. I'm not mad at that. Sometimes he's a little too loquacious, and his intentions are, or seem to be, misguided at times, but I believe his heart is in the right place. Maybe the Celtics don't feel the same way about his outspokenness, because in a recent social media post, Cantor denounced the dictatorial government of China, the People's Republic of China, and how they're treating the people of Tibet by saying, free Tibet, and... China didn't care about that, so they stopped airing Celtics games just as the thaw was warming just a bit between China and the National Basketball Association. So goes this. The first week of the NBA season is done. Seen some incredible performances already. Steph Curry, a triple-double, a 45-point night. And Demetrius Jamel Morant, you must trust. Arguably the dunk of the year so far. Dropped 40-10 and 10 on the Lakers in a loss, but they are for real. And so is John. I think he leads the league in scoring right now. Paul George. I know the Clippers lost. And right now the Warriors are the kings of the West. They've beaten at least the kings of California. They've beaten the Lakers, the Clippers, and Clay Alexander Thompson, the 77th best player in NBA history, hasn't even played yet. I said this on our divisional previews about the Pacific, about the Warriors, about Wardell Stephen Curry II, about the danger that this team wields because of its great combination of the old band guys, the veterans who will guide these young players who are going to be essential going toward the playoffs, going throughout the season, learning their system, learning where they fit on this team. Golden State might sneak up on a lot of people. I don't know how they can. That many championship rings over there? Almost said championship belts. I cannot front almost said championship belts. These guys are all playing lights out. I mean, lights out. But what about the presumptive NBA finalists, the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers? Kevin Durant recently said, we're not sitting around at one and two waiting for Kyrie to come back and save us. Much like his fans from the Barclays Center were in support of Kyrie Irving and his decision, his choice, again, 100% agree with it. He has the right to make that choice. I don't agree with this choice. But what I think does not count. It doesn't matter, really. Part of that solo start could also be viewed under the lens of James Harden. Only averaging, and it sounds funny to say a guy averaging almost 20 points, may be underachieving, but that slack needs to be picked up with no Kyrie Andrew Irving. So at 18 points a night and with only about three free throws per night because of the not-so-relaxed rules against players throwing themselves into a defender to draw fouls in a non-basketball move, James Harden is asking the referees to just call the fouls that they see them. I guess he believes that he's not getting the calls he once did because he's not going to the line almost nine times a night. Understood. But I haven't seen that issue for Ray for Trey Young or Steph Curry. So maybe it's just a matter of getting back in shape, getting back on the court, being ready to do your thing and fill in, not even fill in, but like step it up even more. And it sounds funny to say, because they know it's not a, a sprint. You have two MVPs in your squad. They know that. And a guy who was never MVP, but played like one this past weekend. Salute to Carmelo Kayem Anthony for becoming the ninth all-time leading scorer in NBA history, jumping over Moses Eugene Malone, easily the most disrespected three-time MVP of our league. But salute to Carmelo. And with one week in, as we start our rookie watch, as we'll do each and every week throughout the season, Kate Cunningham is yet to play a game. Fans are fickle and funny. Oh, he's afraid to play. He has an ankle injury. 
Oh, well, Jalen Green is better. Well, Jalen Green did hit eight threes and drop a rookie record 30 points for the Houston Rockets just recently. Evan Mobley's playing well, starting to fit into his role. He's going to look a whole lot like Christopher Westenbosch. I'm trying to tell you, he really does. Scotty Barnes, Mr. Do-It-All for the Toronto Raptors. I don't know how many times I must say this. Even though people thought they should have selected Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. And Masai, you must trust. He knows what he's doing. He's done it before. Scotty Barnes doing his thing. But the guy I really want to highlight is Davion Mitchell, a.k.a. Off Night, the greatest Nick nomenclature in the league right now. Well, maybe beside he who shan't be named. But anyway, Off Night, who is strapped in, knocking down the 75 at 75 selected Damian Lillard, took out Donovan Spider Mitchell. No relation. Jordan Clarkson? Steph Curry had a better game against him. And now he has, in his first week in the NBA, Devin Booker and Christopher Emmanuel Paul to look at next but he seems up to the challenge. I am stating it right now. If this man is not the defensive player of the year, I'm going to have an argument, a conversation with someone. That said, as I speak about Chris Paul, salute to him. There's some, been some milestones this week. Becoming the first ever player in NBA history to score 20,000 points and amass 10,000 assists. The 10,000 assists came last year. But still noteworthy to see Chris Paul, not necessarily known as a scorer, Drop 20,000 points, people. Oh, the longevity of it. He kind of have to be good and contributing to amass those numbers as you try to protect the legacy you don't need to protect. Stop it. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about 75 years of coulda been. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Things that could have happened that created a ripple effect throughout the league that changed the course of history. But things like Syracuse Nationals owner, Danny Biazone, and if you don't know, the Syracuse Nationals are now the Philadelphia 76ers. But by his own, figured out after watching the Fort Wayne Pistons take the air out of the ball against the most dominant team of the era, the Minneapolis Lakers, led by the original big man, George Mikan, winning the game 19-18. 19-18, people came to pay, and they paid to see that. It's not a football game. Not even baseball. Hockey. Basketball. He noted as an experiment to speed up the game, to make it more exciting, to have fans stick with the league that was, you know, there were some tenuous years there in the beginning. Before the 1953-54 season, they tested something. It was based on math. Bison took the 48-minute game, which is 2,880 seconds long. Noted how many possessions, how many shots each team got on average at that time per game, which was 60. Add those together, divided 28 180 by 120, and guess what? You got the 24-second shot clock. What would the game look like if we didn't have one today? Would it still even exist? That is one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. With that in mind, Harrison Moore. Maybe the then St. Louis Hawks owner Ben Kerner would have had the courage to retain one William Felton Russell and not trade him and his rights to the Boston Celtics for easy Ed McCauley. Now, Ed McCauley was the first MVP of the NBA All-Star game. I get it. He was good. He wasn't no damn Russell good. He was good. Ben Kern was afraid of the racism, allegedly, that Bill Russell would face in St. Louis. So he sent him to an equally racist place like Boston. Whatever the case is, imagine if the St. Louis Hawks had kept Bill Russell. Would he have had 11 championships? Would the St. Louis Hawks, not the Atlanta Hawks, be the standard bearer, along with the Lakers, for championship pedigree? Could Jerry Colangelo call tails instead of heads and get the artist formerly known as Ferdinand Louis Alcindor Jr. instead of Neil Walk? And there are very few one-deep drafts 
in NBA history. The 1969 draft is one of those, for sure. Also, 1979 with Irvin Magic Johnson, 92 with Shaquille O'Neal, 97 with the great Timothy Theodore Duncan, and of course, 2003 with the hashtag, he who shan't be named. But there's some other really tough drafts and decisions to look at, including a team that could have been in the pantheon of greatness in the NBA, depending upon their selection process. The Portland Trailblazers. What's up, Rip City? They had an opportunity to select a man by the name of Robert Allen McAdoo. You know, the 1975 MVP of the NBA just made the 75 to 75 list. They didn't pick him. They picked the guy by the name of LaRue Martin, who was argued to be the worst number one pick in NBA history. Somewhere in this world, Michael Kendi and Anthony Bennett are like, what? Really? Okay, cool. Oh, and that draft, if they didn't pick McAdoo, they also had an opportunity down in 11 to pick another guy who got drafted there. Ended up going to Atlanta for a little bit. There was a dispute between the leagues at the time, the ABA and the NBA. You might know him as Julius Winfield Irving II. Could have been a Portland Trailblazer. Never happened. They had an opportunity to draft Moses Malone or to keep Moses Malone and put him next to Bill Walton. Had that front line with Moses and Bill Walton dominating the West. They chose not to. Bill eventually wins a championship, an MVP, and then breaks his feet almost every time he takes a step. Moses Malone was one of the hardest working players in NBA history. You tell me how they looked. A dynasty, maybe? They also had an opportunity to select Larry Joe Bird. Didn't take him because he was saying he was going to go back to school. Well, this guy in Boston by the name of Red Auerbach said, well, the league is here in 1978. Probably going to be here in 1979 as well. I'm going to go ahead and select him and wait for him to get out of school. Tell us how that worked out. Three championships, five NBA finals, three-time MVP, Larry Bird. That's all, Portland. That's all. Of course, we all know about selecting Sam Bowie, sorry Sam, over Michael Jeffrey Jordan because most people believe that the Portland Trailblazers did not pick Michael Jordan because of Clyde Drexler, who they selected the year before. What most people don't know is that Clyde only started three games the whole year, after maybe 17 minutes a night, because they had a guy who was an all-star, a former all-star, who played in our siblings duo, one half of the Paxson brothers, Jim Paxson. So imagine how both John and Jim Paxson impacted the career of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, that he didn't go to Portland. He won a couple of championships. You probably heard of those. And arguably the second worst decision they ever made was selecting another big man in Greg Oden over an all-time great, like they did with Bob McAdoo and with Julius Irving, by not picking Kevin Wayne Durant in the 2007 draft. That's 13 titles. 13 MVPs and 60 All-Star Game selections. Blazers didn't see him. Oh, well. What about in 2001, when Doc Rivers' insistence on not having family members fly with the team was noted as one of the deterrents from bringing in free agent Tim Duncan to go along with Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill? Oh, my goodness. What? We will never know. It's many or nothing, as Minnesota in 2009 drafted Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn from Syracuse, Skippy, some little dude out of, I guess, what's the name of the school? Davidson in North Carolina. You know, this little guy ends up becoming the lone unanimous MVP of the league and the greatest shooter to ever live and ever play this game and Wardell's Stephen Curry the second. And in the 2012 NBA playoffs, the first round, quarterfinals, up 19 against the Knicks, Chicago Bulls head coach Tom Thibodeau who's now the Knicks head coach. Isn't that serendipity? Had the then-MVP Derrick Rose, Derrick Martell Rose, in the game, up 19. Blue eyes and kneecap. 
Never been the same since. But guess where he is too? New York City. Splitting time with Kimball Walker, who also has bad knees. Serendipity indeed. And last but not least, the Oklahoma City Thunder and their three MVPs. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Edward Harden Jr. What if, instead of letting Harden go, who was the sixth man of the year, what if, instead of letting James Harden walk, they let go of Russell Westbrook instead? Is there hardware in OKC? We will never know. But what we do know is that you will always get the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond, on the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. So do remember, do what's popular with the population, make sure you don't get beat off the dribble, and keep listening to my man Rich Kid. Salute to you, my guy. Do what you do. Make it happen, Captain. Easy.